This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a new day, new mercies, to experience you, to love you, to dive into your word together this morning. Before we go to work later today, I pray that you help us to understand it rightly. Help me to only say things that are true, that are helpful, that are from your word and not just something I'm making up. And I pray that this time would just be helpful and equipping for us for the next few weeks as we do this project. Thank you for Jesus and what he's accomplished in our place. We praise All right, so this this time together is sort of devotional, sort of talk. It's not just me going to be talking to you guys, but I'm going to ask a few questions. And we're going to talk about Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and how we're blessed to be a blessing. And when... So basically, when I come up here, I'm going to be looking at the text with you guys, so definitely, if, as long as you have it, grab your Bible, we'll be opening different places. I have a few main slides, but there'll be some text that we'll turn to. Also, I don't really have a picture of my family. I thought about putting something up, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not married or anything like a lot of the staff are, so I don't have that kind of picture. But I will say, I could put up a bunch of pictures with people that are in this room, Pictures with my family, pictures with other friends, pictures with church. So, we'll go ahead and get started. Turn to Genesis 12 if you haven't, and then I've got a slide with the main text. Uh, but first, thinking about the Bible and thinking about the storyline that God has been telling you, it makes me think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if any of you are familiar with it, you know that there's a lot going on because it's not just a bunch of movies that have random storylines, but they all tie together somehow. There's something that Iron Man does here that plays out here later, and then they meet this character, like Ant-Man or whatever, and it connects to another movie. Different movies connect to different movies, but there's also this grand storyline, this narrative that's being told, mostly leading up to how they're going to defeat Thanos, the big villain, you know, and, then, and now there's a new storyline that's happening after that. And even if you're not familiar with Marvel, even if superheroes aren't your thing, I think it's really compelling to a lot of people because of that. That there's something bigger than just one story that you're that you're experiencing, you know, for two and a half hours, but there's more to be seen and more to understand from the way they connect. And when you think about that in terms of the Bible, I mentioned it a little bit during my testimony, but God has been unfolding a meta-narrative of sorts for centuries, for millennia. And he, it's not just a story that he's telling, like kind of a, some kind of a fantasy like Marvel is, but it's actually real life. He created us, he created this world, he designed it to function a certain way. And he's going about restoring it since sin has wrecked it so much. So as we dive into Genesis 12, I'd love to show you guys a little bit about what God promised to Abram. You can go ahead there. The text up there. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God is talking to this guy named Abram. He is a descendant of Adam, a few generations removed, Noah, and all that. 
And it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Alright, so when I first read this text, or at least when I first remember reading it, I was doing a missions devotional before going on a mission trip to China. And that was picture homeschool me, uh, 15 years old, terrified talking to people unless they were family or a close friend, thinking about going over to a place like China and sharing the gospel with strangers on the university campus. And so I was not only terrified, but even just kind of confused why I would do that. And so this devotional brought us to this text because it was unfolding. This is something that God has been doing for a long time. Missions, evangelism, discipleship is not just something that special people do. It's not just something that extroverts do. It's something that has been uh, part of God's plan for a long time to bring, bring the gospel to people. And when I read this passage, at first I didn't understand how it fit in at all. But the key in there is where it talks about blessing and specifically being a blessing and in him, uh, in Abram, all the families of the earth should be blessed. Okay. I could kind of see how Israel back in, because Israel was the people of God that came from Abraham. Okay. I can see they had an impact on the Gentiles, sort of. What does that mean for us? And then, and then I started understanding a lot more, which I thought was mind-blowing at the time. We'll dive into that together. So, when you look and you read these verses, he asks Abram to leave his, his country, his homeland, which is an uncomfortable command in and of itself, just because he was forced to leave his comfort zone. But beyond that, when you look at the word bless, this is a question I have for you all. What do you, what would you say the word bless means? What's a good definition? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very good way to phrase it because it's, it's fairly broad and it can mean different things. And I looked up different definitions and it sounds like usually it will be Treat with favor, sustain, fill with strength, give something good, like you just said. And it also can mean adore. It's it's coming from affection. It's not just begrudgingly, okay, I'll give you this thing or I'll treat you this way. But kind of like a really dear family member, like like your grandma, she loves giving you good things because she just loves you so much. Like, you know, the whole thing of being spoiled. It's just the way that it's, it's the way that God chooses to act because he loves it. Sorry, there's like a bug. He, he, chooses, he chooses to give good things even to sinners that don't deserve it because he's self-giving. And he adores his people and he wants to sustain them, treat them with favor. But what does that look like? Is that just in general he wants to give us? Does he want to give us possessions? And he certainly does provide for us, but the danger of that is to get into the prosperity gospel of he promises to give us all the things we want and you know, nice car and all 
all that stuff. But that's, I don't think that's the point. Let's look a little deeper when he's talking about when he's talking about being a blessing, when he's talking about blessing to make his name great. What does it mean that he blesses us, but then we can be a blessing? So go ahead and turn just a few pages if you got your Bible to Genesis 17. The first few verses in there, 17, 1 through 5. It talks about Abram being fairly old, and then God talks to him and makes a covenant. In verse 2, I may make my covenant between me and you, may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So there, he's starting to give this promise of, there's more to it than just Abraham, Abram, then Abraham receiving some physical thing and then handing that off. But he's inheriting, if you think of First Peter, he's inheriting something that then his descendants will inherit uh, beyond physical. He was promised a land, and that's, that's specific to his people in Israel for a time. But there's something more to that, and the reason we know that is because of the New Testament. What, if you think about the New Testament in relation to Genesis 12 and Genesis 17, what comes to mind that ties this to the gospel, that ties this to us as Christians, specifically, not just Abraham and Israel? When I was studying this, especially as a teenager, I was a little lost. I didn't, in general, I didn't understand how a lot of the Old Testament tied into the New or what it means for us now. And an epiphany for me was seeing some passages like Galatians three. So turn there, you get a chance if you if you don't know where it is. It's near Romans. It's a little past Romans, and I can read it to you today. But in Galatians three. Paul is talking, he's basically reminding the Galatians of the gospel and reminding them that it's not based on their works, they can't earn their salvation because we're, we're dead in sin and Jesus is the one who did that. And so when you look at Galatians 3, 7 through 9, 30 verse 7, know then that this that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So there's a direct quotation there of Genesis 12 where God is God is saying through Paul's writing here, my promise to Abraham to bless him has a lot more to do has has applications far beyond just Abraham and his physical descendants. He's talking about faith. He's talking about the righteous shall live by faith. And he says that in Romans as well. And then he says the Gentiles. And he says those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. So if any of you here have faith in Christ, if you trust in him and you're a Christian, then the promise that Abraham was given way back in Genesis 12 thousands of years ago, applies to you just the same. So then, if we press a little deeper again, what is, what is this blessing we're all receiving? 
what do we have in common with Abraham? If you go just a little further, same chapter of Galatians, Galatians 3, 11 through 14. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So what are two things you notice there that he's basically giving as a definition for what this promise is? What is he giving us? What's the good thing, like Sam said, that God is giving Abraham and by extension us? Yeah, I... I think that's what I noticed too. It's those two things bound together that Christ became a curse for us. So he bore the wrath of God like we learned in justification and he gives us his righteousness. So that's the gospel. That's the great exchange. And then that happens because he gives us his spirit through faith. He saves us. He changes our desires. He, he helps us recognize how deep our sin is and how much we need that exchange. We need Jesus' righteousness. We need him to take our sin. So that's the blessing. He gives us the definition right there. That's what it means to be blessed through Abraham, through faith. And he freely offers it to anyone uh, from any corner of the world, any people, any nation. He wants them to belong to his family through repentance and faith in Christ. So when we think about what it means to be a blessing, what does that mean? We know what it means to be blessed based on this text and others, but what does it mean to be a blessing? What would you guys say? If we decided what blessing means when we're receiving, what does it mean to give that? Yeah, that's good. Because like we were talking about before, it comes from affection for that person. Whoever we're blessing, we want them to do we want them to do better, to experience God's design for them better. So that's definitely a good part of it, yeah. I think, basically, it just means that we reflect God and do the same thing that he does. We treat someone with favor out of affection. And we seek to fill someone else up instead of sucking out of them like the world so often does. And so then how will all families of the earth be blessed? What do you think that means? If it applies, if it's the gospel, and if that's the blessing, what does it mean that all the families of the earth will be blessed with that blessing? I would say that we're seeing it happen here, and it's it's really exciting to see too, whether it's here or on a cross-cultural mission trip or even just at home. We're seeing that when people hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and they believe, they then experience the same blessing that we experience because of Jesus and his, his accomplishment for us. So how does this apply to us as God's people now, as Christians? How do we respond to a text like this? What does it mean? And I, I would love the input from you guys. What I'm noticing is that it gives us the motivation to proclaim and to model the gospel so others would repent and believe, receive that blessing. So discipleship is God's method for fulfilling his promise to Abraham's descendants. His method for bringing this blessing is discipleship, like we've been learning about all summer and like we've been doing 
So when we get up to read with each other, like you guys were still doing this morning, when we have beavers together, one-on-one time, when we pray together, when we sing together, it's all experiencing God's blessing um, together with each other and discipling each other. And then during and after college, the local church really the context where that discipleship happens. So then in terms of being a blessing to the families of the earth, to basically to all nations, to all peoples, I think this has a lot to do with bringing that gospel, that good news that we have experienced, that we've heard, that we understand, to other people that don't know that, that have not experienced it. And my last question would be, how does word training, these word trainings, and how does the project as a whole equip us to bless the nations in that way? What are some of the things we do here that you think equip us well for that? It reminds me of something a professor told me once in Bible college. I was telling him I kind of felt guilty that I spent so much time in class, and so much time just in my little bubble there, and I wasn't going out anywhere to reach the lost yet. And seminary students feel the same thing. But what he said is, it's like you're in an incubator. It's like you are soaking in as much as you can. A project like this, we're doing so much together and learning so much so that then when we go back to campus, we have a lot to offer, not from ourselves, but from the Word, from the Gospel, share Jesus with people. So I would say it's two main things. It equips us to share the Word, and it equips us to live the Word. So because of a set of verses like this, we know that studying the Word like we're doing for this training will help us to communicate the blessing, the Gospel, better. The more we treasure Jesus and understand his word, the more we'll well up in joy that overflows into others. And it's more of a heart posture than just head knowledge, like we talked about. It doesn't matter so much what level of knowledge you're at, but just that you're willing and excited to learn and to grow and to love Christ more. So examples of that would just be getting out of your comfort zone and doing the beach evangelism, having conversations with coworkers that maybe you wouldn't have before project. And even family and friends back home that don't know Christ, being bold with them, loving them by bringing them this blessing, not letting them go without at least hearing about Jesus. And then living the word is all about showing others what that blessed life looks like. Uh, Like in 1 Peter 2.12, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God, is the idea that how we work at Walmart, how we interact with strangers, how we treat our family members and friends, We'll show who we most value. Is this is this real? Is this something that impacts us deeply at the core? Or is it just something that we do kind of on the side? Is it the room of our house? Or is it the foundation of our house, as someone at last project said? Is it an app? Or is it an operating system? And I think people see that in the way that we live and talk. And it just glorifies Christ. He, he is magnified when they can see the joy that we have because of what he's done for us and what he's continuing to do for us. So that's that's about what I have. Uh, just thinking about that meta-narrative that God has been, has been building his kingdom, that he's gathering the people to himself, and he's doing that by blessing his people, giving the gospel to people and saving them. And then we get to be a blessing by bringing that to others. And that's evangelism, that's discipleship, that's the way we live and think. So everything we do here at Project and then after has a direct correlation with these verses in a way that you definitely wouldn't expect on first reading. So 
So in truth, this summer, impressive to discipleship relationships, and show the world how awesome Jesus is. That'd be my encouragement. So now, as we transition away from me being up here doing this, we're going to spend our workshop time studying Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. A lot of you are probably familiar with it, but we'll do the inductive method like we've been doing. And I'll be down there too. We'll, we'll work on it for about 30 to 40 minutes, and then I'll just come up and ask kind of a few things that we learned. And we'll call it good. We'll plan on getting that back to him. So, yeah, open to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we'll go through the checklist or at least something similar. Study that together. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.